Hello, welcome to Adapt, episode 28, which is brought to you by Text Expander from Smile. My name is Ryan Christofel, and I'm joined by my co-host, Federico Vitici. How are you, Federico? Hello, Ryan. Busy week. How are you? It is a very busy week, uh, especially for you. <laughs> You've got a lot of podcast work going on, and you know we've got a lot of writing on the site. It's WWDC, and there's a lot to talk about. Um, there may be isn't as much iPad related as we would hope, but there are some things, so that's that's good at least. There's something we're we're gonna we're gonna try our best to focus entirely on all the uh, iPad stuff in in this week's episode, and we'll continue our series on using the iPad as your primary computer in the next episode. But as we pre-announced, we figured we might as well just use this episode in the week of WWDC to talk about the changes in iPadOS 14. There aren't many, especially because we got, uh, you know, just a couple of months ago, all the pointer stuff in iPadOS 13.4 with the magic keyboard. So I think coming into this WWDC, we were sort of expecting that I personally was not expecting to have like a major multitasking revamp. You know, I always, well, I didn't know, but I, but I had a very strong feeling that all that stuff, if Apple were to rethink multitasking on iPad and drag and drop and the activation of, of split view and slide over, that it was going to be an iPadOS 15 thing, so 2021. And my feeling was mostly correct. We did receive, though, some uh, very nice additions. Not so many, but those that are in iPadOS 14, I think they're really nice. And I think there's also, in addition to the details details of the features, there's also like some big picture ideas that we can discuss. So why don't we just dig into it and start by talking about the um, sidebars and the made for iPad uh, initiative, designed for iPad. Um, so this was one of the, uh, the key points of the iPadOS 14 presentation. The idea that Apple is now uh, has redesigned a lot of system apps and a lot of core parts of the iPadOS um, system to better take advantage of the screen. And one obvious implementation detail of this is the presence of new sidebars. It's a new uh, UI element that is available in system apps like um, music, home, uh, calendar, and the sidebar has also been uh, redesigned to take advantage of the new um, of the new API in existing apps that already featured a sidebar a sidebar before, like notes and files, and also notably photos as also a sidebar now. So the idea being that Apple is sort of moving away from the iPhone inspired designs, uh, when, you know, with the with the enlarged layout and the top bars at the bottom, essentially the uh, the fact that before iPadOS 14, a lot of apps, a lot of Apple apps, resembled their iPhone counterparts, but they were just enlarged on the bigger screen. But you still had the title bar at the top and the tabs at the bottom, and those apps, while perfectly functional. They were designed in an era where the iPad was not as big as the biggest iPad Pro. The iPad Pro did not exist, so the idea of having an iPad as your primary computer was maybe not so common back then. And those apps, they weren't really designed to take advantage of a large screen, and especially of a widescreen form factor. 
for a device that I would bet a lot of people tend to use in landscape mode and usually maybe with a keyboard always attached. So I guess Apple tried to answer this by saying, what if instead of designing those apps after their iPhone versions, what if we borrowed some of the best elements from their Mac versions, from their Mac OS versions, and we try to adapt them, to rethink them, and to optimize them for iPadOS, where, yes, you now have a pointer, but you also have touch, and you also have split view, and you have a variety of sizes. You know, you have a variety of iPad models, uh, from the 7-inch of the iPad mini up to the almost 13 inches of the biggest iPad Pro. And unlike Mac, you can use an iPad in landscape and in portrait. So there was also that consideration. And the result is the is the sidebar. And I wanted to I wanted to know, Ryan, have you installed uh, iPadOS on your iPad yet? Of course I did. Okay. Okay. okay yeah. I, I did day one. I well, okay. So part of it is last year was a really bad beta, and I was expecting that this year would be better. In that, because there aren't that many things that are different. And because, you know, we kind of heard that Apple, after the issues that came even in public releases of iOS and iPadOS 13 last year, that because of all that, they were maybe going back to an iOS 12 type approach where there maybe aren't as many features, but they're really working on, you know, shipping something that is highly performant, as few bugs as possible. And so I kind of felt relatively safe installing the beta. I, I wouldn't recommend it necessarily just because betas can mess things up. And and sometimes you even don't realize how bad things are going to be until a few days in. And so like I've had some issues so far, but nothing major, but that could always change in the next beta or that could always change even, you know, in, in time just using this beta. But I have installed it. And so I've been using the sidebars and they are a very, very nice change. I just having access to more controls to mm. more options. So like in the music app, for example, which is maybe my favorite, you know, updated app at this point, although notes is kind of close because notes got rid of that, that, you know, textured background finally after years and years of having that design. Um, but the music app, now you can get so many more things in the sidebar. You can see all your playlists there. It's very nice. Um, it's very Mac-like, yes. But when you've got a bigger screen, then then why not? And so mm. yeah, this is one of those changes that makes a lot of sense. I didn't see it coming, right? I didn't. It wasn't on the list of things that I was asking for or hoping for. And there are plenty of things maybe that I would have said, oh, can we prioritize these other things instead, Apple, and work on, you know, designing apps more so for iPad later. But but now that I have it, it, it is a really nice change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think the idea that Apple also mentioned in, in one of the sessions at WWDC, this idea of flattening navigation. So the idea of um, saving time when navigating across the UI of a particular app in a way that you feel more efficient because you have a sidebar. And so switching between different sections of an app, it takes fewer taps. And so you're, you feel more efficient, you feel more productive, more places, more sections of the same app are more easily reachable, which I think is also an important point. 
it you know now in photos you can easily switch between albums and and different categories of your photos and there's also the fact that apple and again they mentioned this in in the sessions they try to focus on um increasing the information density in a lot of their apps so getting rid of empty content making sure that apps would waste less space than before and so a good example of this, for example, in photos, you can see how you can see more items at a time. You see less white space in the app because of the sidebar. And also in files, if you use the grid view in files, uh, those icons in grid view are considerably smaller than before. Uh, they're still big enough to be comfortably tapped. But Apple, I believe they mentioned that they increased the density of the grid view by 300%. And I mean, I believe them because if you see a comparison side by side with the old grid view, you can see a lot more in a single screen. So this and the combination you know, of, of this effort and the sidebar, I think it should make for a much more flexible experience when using iPad apps. And once again, the sidebar goes hand in hand with the fact that the iPad can be used in a variety of orientations, in a variety of configurations in split view and slide over. And the sidebar is fully compatible with these modes. So uh, obviously in, in landscape mode, you do get the three column view, uh, which was previously exclusive to apps like Notes and Mail. Now there's a new API, I believe it's called UI Split View Controller, that every developer can use. And Apple mentioned that they're also bringing the three-column view to all iPad models. And Ryan, I believe this was one of your complaints in your you know, iPad Pro 11-inch and 12.9-inch comparison story. Yeah, the 11-inch, it, it seemed like it could fit the three-column view, but it didn't have it. And, and now that's changing. And that's great. And um, I, I was actually asking you yesterday when you mentioned that this is coming to all iPad models. You know, I asked, does that mean the iPad mini as well? And you said yes, which is amazing to me. I'd love to see what a three column layout looks like on that little iPad mini. Uh, Apple mentioned that obviously on smaller iPads, the, and the, you may have the sidebar uh, come in as like a panel that slides in from the side of the screen and it's automatically dismissed when you're no longer needed. But still, you should be able to have the three-column layout. And of course, the three-column layout is not available in compact size classes, which means if you're using split view, the sidebar and you know the middle column and the content column cannot be shown all at the same time because there's not enough space for it. And again, in, in portrait mode, um, you do get the sidebar but it's a, it's a, it supports uh, auto-height. So you cannot see three columns at the same time in portrait, but you can swipe from the left edge of the screen to interact with the sidebar and then swipe again to dismiss it. So there are some differences, but once again, this system is fully compatible with all the sizes, all the different modes of the iPad. And there is one final thing about the sidebar. It also supports collab collapsible and expandable sections. So in photos and in music, you can see how the albums and the playlists and the library sections, they have a little disclosure triangle next to them so you can collapse and, ex and expand the section again. This, I believe, is also an API available to developers, so expect to see a, a lot more uh, expandable uh, sections uh, all across your, your favorite iPad and iPhone apps because I think this expandable outline is also supported on the iPhone. Um, we should address... Well, before we talk about widgets... I also want to mention another 
design for iPad um, feature, sort of a, a byproduct of this initiative. Um, the fact that Apple has, has been rethinking the role of toolbars and drop-down menus and context menus everywhere. So, in addition to getting rid of top bars at the bottom of the screen, so instead of using tabs, using a sidebar, Apple has also been moving controls from the bottom of the screen to the top of the screen. So again, using the Mac as an inspiration here, uh, adopting a toolbar-based design where you have a toolbar at the top of the screen that maybe is integrated with the title bar, which is a long been a, a common UI element of iPhone and iPad app design. And they're using these toolbars with these uh, drop-down menus that I believe the official terminology here is pull-down menu. Uh, Ryan and I were just looking over the documentation for this today. Uh, these pull-down menus, they, look, they are essentially context menus. They look like context menus, which were launched in iOS and iPadOS 13. They have the same look. They have the same physics in terms of like animations and the fact that you can, you can scroll, scroll your finger over a menu to select it but they are now officially called the pull-down menus when they are invoked from a toolbar item. So in Safari, in, in files, in notes, you have all these uh, buttons, these toolbar buttons, that when you tap them or when you long press them, such as in Safari, for example, you can long press, for example, the tabs icon, instead of getting an action sheet or instead of getting a popover, you now get a context menu that, once again, the official name, though, for this is not context menus, it's pull-down menus, but they look exactly like context menus. So you have the SF symbol glyph, you have the label on the right, uh, you have the same animations, and in a nice touch, in files, for example, this was a demo uh, during one of the sessions, if you tap on the toolbar um, button to show the sorting options, you see this pull-down menu, right? But if you start scrolling the content view, so the grid view with your files outside of the pull-down menu area, the menu is automatically dismissed. So that's a very nice touch, in because you can you know you can show these menus, but then you can automate you can instantly go back to interacting with the grid view with your content, and the menu goes away. So um, I mean. I'm a fan overall. I think it makes sense to have once again. It's a, it's a Mac like it's a Mac inspired design that uses a native iPadOS UI element such as the context menu uh, that makes more sense and works both via touch and of course the pointer. Yeah. So with toolbars, uh, one thing that I wrote in the overview piece that I did for Mac Stories is that it, it really seems like Apple has found a way to avoid the need for having an actual menu bar the way that the Mac does, but but kind of a new type of menu bar inside of apps that need it. Um, whereas, you know, not every single app needs all these additional controls at the top of the screen. But for the ones that do, you've got this this thing that does sit near the top of the screen, so it's in a reliable place, and it can give access to all these additional controls. So it really seems like something that Apple has done a lot over the last few years taking a Mac concept and adapting it for iPad OS and making it unique and making it new in a special way. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something that I, I found they've done really well, um, taking the good about Mac, but rethinking it in a way. And it provides a more unified experience, which is something that is great about the menu bar on the Mac anyways, is that, you know, it's always up there when you need it. There's additional controls there. 
And depending on how developers adopt this, you know, hopefully we'll be able to see a kind of similar unified experience across different apps moving forward, which would be a really great thing for just the app ecosystem as a whole. Agreed. Yeah. So before before we move on to some other iPadOS 14 features, let's let's address what I referred to on App Stories as the elephant in the room. Um, we did an entire episode of App Stories this week about widgets. Widgets are one of the big features of the iPhone home screen in iOS 14. And John and I we got into all the technical details of how widgets are made and SwiftUI and all the you know all the all the little tidbits of using widgets. However, widgets are also available on the iPad, obviously in iPadOS 14, but there's a big asterisk next to them because widgets on the iPad, for some uh, reason, some unspecified reason, they cannot be intermixed with app icons on the home screen. In fact, the iPad home screen in iPadOS 14 does not feature widgets and it does not feature the app library either. So another major addition to the iPhone home screen not available on the iPad. I, as I mentioned on App Stories, I love the new widgets. I love the look. I have some reservations about them because of course it's the first beta. We're going to have to see how many useful widgets we're going to lose because these widgets do not support user interactions in the way that you may be used to. Again, I will refer to that episode of App Stories to get the technical details of this, but essentially um, the new system, the new widget framework for developers, which is called Widget Kit, does not allow you to have widgets like, for example, the Timery widget or the widget calculator for pcalc. Those highly interactive widgets cannot be built with this new framework. Um, but really the main issue here is that even if we, if we forget for a second about the interaction issue, widgets on the iPad can only be placed in the left column as it used to be before. And I don't really understand this decision because if anything, a bigger home screen, such as the iPad home screen, would lend itself even better to having a mix of icons and widgets on a single screen, because you have such a large canvas to experiment, you have a bigger grid, you can place more widgets, you can place more icons and come up with these um, really interesting layouts combining widgets and icons, but that's not possible. So widgets are gonna be limited to the left column. Really the only uh, sensible reason that I can come up here as to why widgets can only be placed on the home screen on the iPhone is that maybe Apple ran out of time you know, they couldn't finish this feature in time and they prioritized the iPhone. And I think rightfully so, obviously, because, you know, this is the kind of feature that millions and millions of iPhone users could take advantage of day one. So I would understand that, but not, you know, not having the official explanation makes us all wonder why. And I think personally, this is just my personal theory. I think it's just a matter of Apple not having been able to finish this feature in time. And it would make sense, you know, because of the pandemic and everybody working from home and you have a deadline, you have a schedule. So I totally understand. But this is just my personal theory. It's not an official explanation. I certainly hope that that is the explanation because if, if it's, you know, we need more time, that's, that's totally understandable. But if, if for some reason Apple's thinking, oh, well, the iPad doesn't need that extra flexibility. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I would kind of think the opposite. I mean, obviously, with the iPhone, there's a much bigger user base. There's a lot more people that are going to benefit from widgets on the home screen. But 
in my view, it's like the iPad has a much bigger display. And so there's actually more flexibility to add more widgets all over the place. Whereas on the iPhone, it's like you add widgets and, oh, your home screen's all of a sudden gone because you got like two widgets on there. And so mm-hmm. there's very little room for anything else. Yeah. So I, I hope it's just a matter of time and we're going to get these, you know, additional kind of abilities to put widgets wherever we want to. Um, because even as it is now, like I, I was a little frustrated, not because with the current setup, not only are they restricted to that space on the left, but on at, at least on my iPad, the 12.9 inch iPad Pro, it's not even taking up the whole space on the left. Like you get this little square where you can put up to four of the small widgets and I've got more space. Like I feel like I could fit almost double that amount. Um, and so it's it's even limiting the amount of space that you have within that left area of the screen. And I'm assuming that's because on certain iPads you don't have extra space and so you can only fit that many. But yeah, it's just, it, it feels like it's not quite complete yet. And so I'm hoping that that will change in the future. But uh, But I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I'm, and I think we can take a sponsor break here and uh, finish off with the three more topics. All right, I want to talk about Apple Pencil changes, but before we do that, let me thank our sponsor for today. Uh, this episode of Adapt is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. Save time typing and boost your productivity with Text Expander. Text Expander lets you instantly insert snippets of text as you type using a quick search or abbreviation. If you type something more than three times, you can make it a snippet and let Text Expander type it for you. Make snippets on one computer and then use them across all of your devices so that you're more productive everywhere you type. If you want to learn more about Text Expander, they do interesting webinars every month. You can sign up for the Text Expander Beginner, Advanced, and Team webinars to learn more about boosting your productivity. You can find all of their webinars and sign up now at textexpander.com slash webinar. For many people, their work requires typing the same things over and over in a bunch of different places. And if that's true for you, then Text Expander can save you a lot of time and effort. Text Expander is available for macOS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad, and Adapt listeners get 20% off their first year of service. Just go to TextExpander.com slash podcast to learn more about TextExpander. It'll really boost your productivity. Check it out now. TextExpander.com slash podcast. Our thanks to TextExpander for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So, Federico, neither you nor I are huge Apple Pencil users, mm. but there are lots of people who love their Apple Pencil, who use it every day, and Apple has some really nice changes coming for those people. Uh, it starts with Scribble. Yeah. So Scribble is this feature that uh, I suppose that they're using the same name as the Apple Watch feature where you can kind of yes, scribble out are. text and have it convert to type text. Well, with Scribble on the iPad, you can use your Apple Pencil to write in any standard text field and iPadOS will automatically turn that written text, handwritten text, into typed text inside the text field. And what this means in practice is that, you know, if you are using your Apple Pencil and then, let's say, a message comes in and you need to respond to this message, you don't have to put down your pencil, 
and start typing out your response, you can actually just write with your pencil into the text field of that message reply box, and iPadOS will do the work of automatically converting it to typed text. So wherever you want to you know, use your pencil to put in text rather than typing, you can do that now. Uh, it works in any text field by default, and developers can fine-tune things uh, if they want to kind of build additional functionality into it. There's an API to help them do that. You can additionally, beyond just this you know, new ability to use Scribble, you can now select your handwritten text inside of places like Notes. So Apple Notes in the past has offered uh, a feature that where it would recognize what you wrote so that you could search for it. Um, but now it's taking things a step further by not only recognizing the text that you wrote, which obviously it has to do to convert that to typed text via Scribble. But if you are just writing a handwritten note inside of Apple Notes, you can then double tap on the text that you wrote to have it selected. And once you've selected text, you can do you know the sort of things that you would normally do with typed text that you select, such as copy it and paste it mm -hmm. elsewhere. So if you handwrite something, and then you decide, oh, I actually want to you know, move what I've written into another app, you can double tap to copy that text inside of Apple Notes and then say, you know, paste it into an app like Pages and iPadOS will do an automatic conversion so that it pastes as typed text. So it's a really great feature being able to select that handwritten text and then do certain things such as copy it, paste it, you can delete it. Um, uh, an example they showed in the keynote on Monday is you can change the color of that text after the mm -hmm. fact using the different markup tools that are offered. Uh, another thing you can do now is you can, when you are using Scribble, you can write in multiple languages on the same line and it yeah. will recognize which language you're writing in. So you don't have to you know, like you would if you were typing text, okay, I'm typing this in English, and then I'm going to switch to the Italian keyboard and type it in Italian. Um, with Scribble, you can just write it all out with your hand using your Apple Pencil, and iPadOS will do the work of interpreting, oh, this is English, this is Spanish, this is, you know, whatever language you're writing in, uh, which is a really nice addition. Another thing that is uh, an improvement in Apple Pencil experience is that uh, the text that you handwrite can now be embedded with data detectors. Uh, data de detectors, I'm sure you've seen them before, but with typed text all throughout the system on iPhone and iPad, whenever you see text that has been recognized as being, let's say, a phone number, mm -hmm. um, an email address, a, a home address, it, you'll see that it, the, the system automatically turns those things into links. And so you can you know, tap on them to get more information to maybe launch a phone call or do other things like that. Well, now handwritten text benefits from those same features. So data detectors will recognize if you have written out a phone number and it'll put that underline and you can tap it to initiate a phone call. Um, it's a nice improvement that kind of brings feature parity between typed text and handwritten text. And then one last Apple Pencil feature I want to mention 
is something that I, I really appreciate. When you are drawing shapes um, in Apple Notes, for example, although in theory it should work with any app that uses the standard markup controls, when you're drawing shapes, if you uh, draw a circle, which if you're like me, it's not going to be a perfect circle, but if you draw it and then keep holding the pencil down for an extra second, then the app will automatically convert that imperfect circle into a perfectly round circle uh, with cleaner, you know, smoother, straighter lines, and uh, it will it will look much more like a computer did it rather than you did it with your hand. And so uh, it's a nice addition I've seen in several third-party apps before. And I, I like to have my notes and my drawings and my, you know, charts that I make and all that look as professional as possible. And they don't look that way when I'm handwriting them. And so now I have the option of handwriting, but then, you know, holding down the pencil an extra second and seeing those shapes turn into the nice looking shapes that they should be. And maybe, you know, if, if I were better with drawing than they would be, but, uh, but I'm certainly not. So I'm glad that iPadOS can take care of that uh, deficiency in my drawing abilities for me. Yeah, it's really remarkable what they've done with the pencil. I was just playing around with this today. I was watching Sylvia, obviously because she has much better handwriting than I do, uh, play around with Scribble and with the notes-specific features and the, the ability to handwrite in notes and have certain elements turn into data detectors. It's just incredible. Like you, t I, We were testing out the feature and she wrote down things like today at 9 p.m. or she wrote down an address uh, in, in a note using the pencil. And as soon as you tap done, that text is not only recognized, um, but it also become, it gets underlined when a data detector is available. And you can tap on it to say, open the calendar on that specific day or open maps and at a specific recognized address. You can even tap and hold on that data detector and you get a popover. You get a pop-up that shows you like a map preview or the calendar preview for that day. And it's just incredible to have this blend of the analog world and the digital world, right? So applying, you know, uh, using machine learning and on-device processing because all of this happens on devices, secure and private, and it doesn't require any training, right? It's not like you need to train the system to recognize text. Apple says that they've been using data, they've been collecting data to train their systems uh, automatically for years now. So you, you don't need to do anything special to get started with these features in iPadOS 14. And it just works. Uh, obviously, it'd be nicer to have wider language support, but I believe that's, that's one of the things that will happen over time, right? Because you do need more data. You do need to make sure that your language model is up to the same standards as, I believe, right now, supported languages are English, simplified and traditional Chinese and Cantonese. So it's going to take a while to, to have more languages here, but I want to believe it's going to happen relatively soon, not in like five years. And Scribble, which is the system-wide feature, I think it's equally impressive how you can just place the pencil on any text field and the keyboard goes away and you get this little floating uh, visual element that shows you the Scribble is active and you can now turn your handwriting into text. Personally, I, I am not going to take advantage uh, of Scribble because if I'm typing into a text field, I'm much more comfortable typing with the keyboard. But I understand why 
folks who really love the pencil may want to use the pencil everywhere as much as possible. So this gives them a way to never see the keyboard effectively. So I'm very impressed, and especially with the with the integration in Notes that continues to get better well, with the shape recognition and the data detectors. Uh, I think it's really fascinating to see what Apple is doing here, and especially this blend of a traditional analog environment combined with smart and modern technology. I think it's really it's really fascinating to see, honestly. Yeah, agreed. I'm I'm not going to use these features myself, but I'm happy that they're there. Uh, the next feature we're going to talk about, though, is something that I have already been using many times every day, um, and that is Search. So what has Apple done with Search and iPadOS? So Search is, once again, on the topic of uh, taking features from the Mac and rethinking them for, for iPad and for Touch. Um, search is part of the what Apple is calling Compact UI. So this idea of making all kinds of visual elements, both on iPhone and on iPad, more compact, save more time and save more space on screen, let users interact with those uh, elements more efficiently. So search used to be a full screen affair in that you would type, uh, you would press command space and uh, on a keyboard and the search would take over in full screen, hiding what you were doing in the application underneath. Now, search comes up anywhere, you know, both on the home screen and inside apps as a floating search bar. It's like Spotlight on the Mac, basically, but it's been rethought, it's been uh, adapted to iPadOS. So it's got much better support for launching apps quickly and directly. You can just start typing the first few letters of an app and press return, and the app launches right away. Again, just like Spotlight on the Mac, it feel just because of that, it feels so much faster. It feels like you can navigate the system so much more quickly because you can just type TW and press return and you open Twitter, for example. Um, so in addition to that, launching apps more quickly uh, and not hiding what you were doing in the app underneath, you can also do web searches, again, much more quickly than before because you can just start typing, and if no results for your query are found on the device, you will see uh, open a web search right there, and you just need to press uh, the arrow down key, I believe, to select web search and return. It's so much faster than before. It's much less clunkier than it used to be with the full screen search, and obviously you still have the integration with, uh, with search inside apps, so you will be able to find content from, say, reminders or mail or apps that um, support the ability to, to index their contents, such as their documents, for example, in search. So uh, I think it's, really, it's a really good update, especially because it makes the iPad feel more like a computer and less like... A, it, it, search was the perfect example of an iPhone feature that was lazily converted to the iPad. Now, because you're on the iPad, you have such a bigger, sc- uh, bigger screen, you, s- you have the same benefits of system-wide search with a much better UI and with adjustments to the typing experience that allow you to um, launch and open things much more quickly. It's one of my favorite little, not so little, actually, tweaks to iPadOS 14. Yeah, same here for sure. I, before I use search almost exclusively as an app launcher. Like if, if I, you know, a certain app that wasn't in my dock, um, 
maybe it wasn't on my home screen, I would search it and especially use it when adding an app to a multitasking view, like split view or slide over. But now I found myself starting to do web searches from search. Um, I like how, you know, at the bottom of the search results, you'll see kind of a search in apps section. And uh, so like I just started a search and I see um, search files or search notes, search mail. And using the keyboard, you can quickly with a command and then down arrow, jump down to that section really fast. And so the fact that there's now a division of sections between types of search results makes it easy to jump between them. And there's also just not a lot of the extra junk that I used to find in search results. Like the reason why I didn't use it a whole lot is because it almost never brought up the things that I wanted. Or if it did, you know, it was hidden amongst all this other stuff. And I have at one point in the past gone in to settings and, you know, you can go into kind of the series search settings, which I'm not sure if those are still the same anymore, but, and you can kind of disable um, search indexing for certain apps. And so I've done that, but then it caused other issues. And so I, I went back to kind of the default settings, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just a much more effective system, at least for me. I, I wonder if there's some people out there that, um, it'll take some adjustment to get used to the new system because it is a little bit different. But uh, for me, making it more like Spotlight is a very, very good thing. And so I, I've been enjoying the search changes. Yeah, yeah, same here. And I guess we should round up the episode with some of the other miscellaneous changes in iPadOS 14. There's an emoji popover, just like on the Mac. It's got the same keyboard shortcut. Uh, I believe it's Command Control Space. So you can press that and you will get an emoji popover to select an emoji. Oddly enough, the emoji popover, unlike the new emoji keyboard in iOS 14 on the iPhone, does not have a search field. So on the iPhone, you can search for emoji by name, finally. Uh, one, of my, one of the absolute best tweaks of iOS 14. And on the iPad, you do get the popover, so that's nice. But there's no search bar. So uh, I want to hope that this, this will come in later betas uh, because you can make an argument that uh, widgets could not be updated for the iPad home screen in time. But I mean, if you already have emoji search on the iPhone, why not on the iPad as well, right? Uh, that's literally the same feature. So, But the before is nice. So command, control, space. And I would like to mention uh, the shortcuts got a redesign on iPad, so you now have, I mean, in addition to the sidebar, it's got support for folders. Once again, a big finally from me. Uh, the editor is new. There's a new uh, sidebar on the right side of the screen containing your actions. And in, in addition to some other changes to shortcuts, which we're going to talk about in the future, uh, shortcuts now support multi-window in iPadOS. So you can finally open two shortcuts at the same time in the editor. You can have multiple windows for your shortcuts. Com this combined with the fact that Apple brought uh, one of my long-standing wishes, native copy and paste for actions, combined with multi-window, I think this, these features are going to save me a lot of time when working on my more advanced shortcuts. So I'm really happy that... Uh, that Apple listened and, and they brought folders, copy and paste, and multi-window. Those were some of my top uh, requests for shortcuts, and iPadOS 14 addressed them all. It's good to see another app get multi-window support, especially an app like Shortcuts that really can benefit from it. Um, I, I've checked you know, a few other apps that didn't previously have multi-window, hoping that they would now in iPadOS 14. 
and I haven't found any other ones that have added it. Uh, so like photos, for example, still can't do multi-window. Uh, Apple News can't. And I, you know, I hope that that changes in the future. I, I don't know how many people mm-hmm. use multi-window a lot, but I, I use it a fair amount, especially for certain apps. So it's always great to have that option in an app. And that's something that, you know, as I test out various third-party apps, if if an app supports multi-window, that's that's just a plus, right? That's a check mark. That's a it just seems like a good, you know, a good thing to do if you want to be a good OS citizen. And so I'm I'm kind of bummed that there's still several important Apple apps that don't support it, but it's good to see it added to shortcuts. Well, is that it, Federico? I I guess um you know, there's there's not quite well, unfortunately, as much as we were hoping for. Yes, that that's it, unfortunately, for iPadOS. Still, though, some nice changes. Obviously, not a... I mean, if you consider 13.4 part of iPadOS, so if you, if, if you cheat and consider the pointer stuff as part of this year's releases, I would say it's a pretty good... It's a very good release. But, you know, technically speaking, iPadOS 14 is just the features that we covered today. So, yeah. could it be more but could have been worse so i think overall i'm gonna give it a thumbs up sure yeah i I agree that that is a fair way to to put it because what apple did with mouse and trackpad support is is just really fantastic and it really it goes above and beyond what i would have hoped for and so yeah throw it together that's good um i'd say overall with with this release like i mentioned earlier there are things that i wasn't expecting and that i appreciate but I feel like there's a lot of things on my wish list that didn't get addressed, even things that seemingly are not and I don't know, I'm not a I'm not a developer, but the seemingly wouldn't necessarily you know, require too much extra work, so more keyboard shortcuts and more apps, more system-wide keyboard shortcuts so you can kind of program different shortcuts for your uses. That would have been really nice. Um there's yeah there's there's some things that it's like okay well hopefully next year but uh but maybe maybe we'll get some improvements in a point release because mm-hmm. right 13.4 we got mouse and trackpad support so maybe we don't have to wait till iPad OS 15 uh, i guess only time will tell um are you are you generally speaking happy with this release are you disappointed you know what are your general thoughts yeah i i am happy so far i think it's especially nice to see the the shift toward more Mac-like or Mac-inspired designs. So I'm a big fan of the toolbars and the sidebars. I think those are those elements are going to rejuvenate a lot of the iPad apps that we use every day. I think it's very exciting to see apps like Home and Music and Photos feel like completely new experiences because of this effort to, to, to look at them and say, okay, how can we take better advantage of, of this larger screen? So I think that's very exciting. And overall, I'm happy. I'm happy with with the sidebars. I'm happy with the toolbars. I'm happy with shortcuts. I'm very happy with shortcuts, actually. Um, and and search. And yes, it would have been nice to have widgets on the home screen. That's uh, that's kind of a bummer, honestly. And it would have been nice to to have new examples of pro apps made by Apple. Spoiler alert, that is also why I basically lost the connected uh, rickies uh, this week, because I place too much faith in Apple doing something, uh, you know, totally unexpected with like, I don't know, Xcode on the iPad or some other developer app on the iPad. So it would have been nice to get that. But also in hindsight, it, you know, I understand why. Let's not forget that 
Apple managed to make this WWDC happen despite the pandemic, despite the work from home requirements uh, for Apple engineers, uh, not just in the United States, but really all across the globe. Because you know, Apple has as engineers working uh, not just in 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 Cupertino, but in Europe, in in Asia, in you know, in all kinds of places. So difficult times, and I'm sure that many features were cut. But despite that, I think. This is going to be a fun year for iPadOS because we're still seeing now developers adopt the pointer integration. And so I think in September, it's going to be interesting to see this new generation of iPad apps that are designed for iPad for this multiplicity of inputs, which is, has always been a fascinating aspect of the modern iPad experience. Now they are going to feature these new kinds of UIs with sidebars and toolbars and multi-window. And they're going to be ready for the Mac because of the, you know, thanks to the improvements in Catalyst and the fact that I bet developers will want to make sure that they have an app that can run natively on the new Apple Silicon Macs. So even though we didn't get like the major multitasking revamp or we didn't get things like your concept for the context menu for managing split view and slide over, I'm still, uh, I'm still happy because the changes that we got should result in some very interesting app updates, uh, not just from Apple's own apps, but on the App Store. So that's what I'm really looking forward to, what developers are going to create with these UI changes on iPad. Yeah, that that's a really good perspective. And it, it is exciting because, you know, sometimes you get a new release and um, like, like us, we've already installed beta one. And so we've used it and it's kind of like, okay, do we have to wait another year for new things? And and we kind of don't because all these third-party apps in a matter of months are going to be updating and changing. And uh, and that's really exciting. So there will be new things coming always. And yeah, that's a, a great perspective to have. Well, this has been episode 28 of Adapt. I want to thank our sponsor for today, Text Expander from Smile. If you want to find show notes for this episode, you can go to our website, relay.fm slash adapt slash 28. And to follow us online, Federico is on Instagram and Twitter as at Vitici. That's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. You can find me on Twitter as at IRyan, T-L-D-R, I-R-Y-A-N, T-L-D-R. And both of us are writing at maxstories.net, where we have a lot of coverage this week from WWDC, everything Apple has announced, some of the things that weren't announced during the keynote, but that we have discovered in using the betas and, you know, reading tweets and other articles. And so lots of things to check out at Mac Stories. So be sure to check us out there. Uh, but until next time, Federico, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Bye.